Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And if you are feeling inspired, leaving us a positive review at the iTunes Store is always greatly appreciated. Thank you. Today's reading was edited and adapted from The Open Door by Hugh Black, published in 1914. Youth stands at the magic door of life. It never remains the same, but seems to alter with each person. This is not strange, since youth itself does not stay the same. We speak of youth as if it were always of one texture and color, whereas it is a time of chaotic contradictions. We talk of the hopefulness of youth, which is true enough, and yet some have known a childhood full of bitter despair never again equaled. We call it a time of impractical radicalism, and yet it is curiously conservative. We speak of its blithe carelessness, and yet it is sometimes marked by moods of brooding sadness. Youth is like an April day, flecked with alternate sun and shower. And whatever youth does, it does with zest. It believes more valiantly, doubts more tragically, hopes more buoyantly, fears more poignantly than ever again. All this because it is a time of dawning self-expression. It is for the first time fully conscious of being alive and has eaten the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You stands before ways that entice in every direction. It has the key to the magic door. It has a thirst for experience, and everything depends on how it seeks to slake that thirst. Some get drawn off by the urgency of passion, and are turned away from the true path of life, allured by the fickle lights of pleasure. The sacred flame then burns itself out into dead ashes. To those who escape that fate, we turn for the world's hope, for the inner heat of their nature gets outlet in the enthusiasm and ideals that save us from stagnation. They come with their fresh, keen insight and compel us to review our moldy formulas and tarnished standards. They force us out from our timid and sleek securities into untrodden ways. It is sometimes said of someone who is still young in years that they are taking an old folk's view of things. It is said not in praise, but in blame. There is always a tone of reproach or regret in the accusation. We mean by it that their mind has become static, that they are no longer open to new ideas, and that they have ceased to grow. We feel that they are prematurely old, and there is a sense of regret as at something untimely, like the unexpected death of a child. They have ripened too soon, and their freshness and promise have departed. 
you thought not to be prudent. For prudence before its time can be the meanest of virtues. Each age has its natural virtues and its common vices. Moralists tell us that covetousness is the vice of our own age. It is never a pleasant quality, but in youth it is hideous. Better a spendthrift youth, careless of the future, gaily venturing out without undue forethought, than always calculating advantages and always considering the main risk. Doctors say that old age physically comes with the hardening of the arteries, which is not in itself a matter of mere time. A person may be reasonably young at sixty, and growing old at thirty. Intellectually, old age comes with the hardening of the brain passages. Ideas are crystallized, and life becomes static. The mind cannot adjust itself to a new point of view. New evidence has no effect on settled positions, and the individual is even impatient at being asked to reconsider questions. The amazing procession of life passes before such lusterless eyes and makes no vivid impression. There is a loss of interest, and experience in any real sense is ceased. There is no vital response to any new appeal. It is like knocking at the door of an unoccupied house. As I've said, this is not a matter of mere time. For some people, olden years have kept their attitude of curiosity alert and their interest fresh. They have never quite forgotten their first entrance through the magic door. The world looks as big as ever, and life seems as significant. We do not find such people among those who think it proper to dismissively tell eager youth that it is young, for they know how much the world owes to the youthful temper. Youth feeds the world with life, not only in that it assures physical continuity to the race, but also that it keeps alive all spiritual adventure. Older people sometimes assume a patronizing air towards youth, as if they are looking down from a serene height with pity for its inexperience. If all truth were known, there is more envy than pity in this attitude. Such older people know that now they are not capable of the high enthusiasm and generous ardor and noble passion which they affect to depreciate. They know that all the time it is by these things that we really live, and that youth puts the yeast into the whole lump of life that saves it from decay. Even the older folk who keep alert do so far more than they imagine by tapping the brains and using the strength of the younger generation. Life so soon becomes stereotyped and hardens into subtle grooves, and only youth has the courage to break the molds. The elders among us like to speak of the value of experience, and of course it does have great value, but not as we often mean by it. 
It is nothing in itself to have come through a great many things. We mistakenly look on experience as capital, which can be put out to interest and earn us a living without any further effort. Capital so treated often takes wings and flies away, and the capitalist wakes up to find their resources gone. Experience so treated ceases to have any value. It has become conventional and stereotyped, and does not apply to new conditions. This is one reason why youth is so often impatient at the prattling on about experience. It seems to have no earthly relation to the particular situation with which we are faced. It is antiquated knowledge, and has not been brought up to date. What is the experience on which age puts such mystical value? We often think of it as something definite like money in our pocket, but it is really the interpretation of life, and to be true and of any value, it must change as life itself keeps changing. Samuel Taylor Coleridge somewhere likens experience to the stern's light of a ship at sea which illumines the track that has been passed over, but does nothing to lighten the course to be traversed. It is a fit description of much that passes for experience. There should be a residuum of wisdom left, a training in judgment and character able to be applied to other and new occasions. When this is the case, then experience is a valuable contribution. Age as a rule does not really have experience, though it may once have had it. It is youth which has experience, as it actually tries out its new opportunities, and meets its new situations, and grapples with its new problems, and is hand-to-hand -hand with life. Knowledge of the ancient doorways of tradition is not all that is needed, for youth is led to ways that look like the old, and yet somehow have changed. Youth, therefore, ought to be adventurous, since the life that lies before us is all an adventure. It has never been lived before, and none can ever forecast it. The world never can go back over the way by which it has come. It moves forward to untried paths, and above all its needs, it stands in need of pathfinders. The glorious idealism of youth is its greatest asset. Youth ought to be radical, asking its insistent questions, even pouring its contempt on our smug ways and respectable institutions. We sometimes blame young people for being opinionated and self-willed, too fond of airing their own notion of things, and too individual in their attitude. As a matter of fact, they are too easily browbeaten into compliance with the conventional, too soon licked into the usual shape, too afraid of being themselves. The world is full of conformists, thinking, saying, and acting the usual. The poet that was in all of us dies too young. We need more nonconformists, 
more people ready to protest because their eyes have seen a nobler vision. It would be a poor thing to have youth prudent with the selfish calculating prudence of worldly wisdom. Life stretches out at the feet of youth to be made what it will. It can be as rich and beautiful as youth likes to have it, for that is the magic door that ushers us to the very land of our dreams. We have seen that the world is not any one thing, but is as big as we are able to use, and life can be anything we have the faith, courage, and knowledge to make it. Your place in the spiritual kingdom is settled not by your graces, nor by your attainments, nor even by your actions in themselves, but by your will. Ultimately, what you will to do, you do, and what you desire, you receive. What you bend your heart to reach comes sooner or later to your hand. It truly is a magic door if we get out of it what we demand. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. Transform your life in 30 days with our Majesty Meditation Program. Our unique auto-suggestion sound method meditation will help you achieve success in every area of your personal and professional life. Learn more at livinghour.org slash majesty. Get 30% off the $11.99 purchase price. Use the coupon code INSPIRATION. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.